um, get it back to, to either myself or one of the deacons this week if possible or next week. If you weren't here last week, there's plenty of spare at the back. And our very welcoming welcomer, Eric, will welcome you to the box where they are held and he will say that you're welcome to have one. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we can be here. Thank you for the kids. Lord, thank you that we have got your word. Lord, that you are not just a distant God, but that you are the God who speaks to us and that you are the God who still speaks. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are God's word made flesh, God's word with bones. Lord, thank you that you spoke to us and that you still speak. Lord, thank you that your word is, although sometimes it's a word of warning, it's always a word of life and a word of hope. And Lord, we pray and we thank you that that the ultimate word, that you yourself, Jesus, are God's answer to everything that is wrong in this world of ours. Lord, there is so much wrong in our world. Lord, there is so much wrong in our world. And sometimes we just want to cry out and say, why don't you just fix it? How long? How long? But thank you, Lord, that your answer is always, look and see what I'm doing. Thank you, Father, that your answer is always, I'm already at work. Thank you, Father, that your answer is always, see what I've done in Jesus and look for his coming. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us now as we open up your word as we read your word as we see what it says and I pray that it would teach us and help us and instruct us and encourage us Holy Spirit please speak through me too Amen We're starting a new series today on um, an exciting book I was reading a commentary, and one of the first things it said was, um, anyone who wants to preach through this book is either just interested in the academic blah de blah blah or else, basically, paraphrasing it, saying he's a fool or a masochist. Because this is, this is a weird book. Um, just, can I have a show of hands? Who here has, has had a, a sermon before on Habakkuk? Habakkuk. There's one. Junjet, you've got your hands up. Wayne's got his hands up. You guys, you guys, well, don't switch off, but tell me what I said wrong at the end. Um, and tell everyone else as well. We're going to turn. Let's, let's have a look. Habakkuk chapter 1 is one of those very easy books to find because it's in the prophets. So go to the prophets and you'll find it. Um, once you've got it, stand up. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 1. Well done, John. Uh, It's only three chapters long. We're going to read the first 12 or 13 verses together now. Um, And I believe it's up on the screen as well, if you forgot your Bible. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction, violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The the law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice 
has become perverted. <clears throat> the Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look, be amazed. For I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe. Something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty. And they do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers um, charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like the desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes, scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile up ramps of earth against their walls and they capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their own God. O oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, You who are eternal, surely You do not plan to wipe us out. O oh Lord, our Rock, You have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But You are pure and You cannot stand the sight of evil. Will You wink? their treachery? Shall you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Wow. A nice passage, eh? Interesting passage. And, and, and maybe one of the reasons that we don't hear it very often in our churches, old Habakkuk, is because we don't like very much passages that speak of God's judgment. We don't, we don't like it very much to hear God saying, thus far and no further. But isn't it interesting that, that in Habakkuk we find someone who is perhaps slightly different to us. We find a man I would say a, a man after God's own heart. We're not told much about him. He's, he's one of those prophets that all we're told is that his name is Habakkuk and that he was a prophet, um, simply a prophet. And chapter 3, we're told that he's a prophet to praise. He's a prophet to, who has received a vision from God. He's a man who lived about 2,600 years ago. He's a man living in very real circumstances, asking very real questions. And he's a man who is not just happy to go along with what everyone else has said about God. He's a man who knows God well enough to, to confront on the basis of who he knows God to be. You see, we don't like, we don't like speaking about God's judgment, but for Habakkuk, God, uh, he looked at the world around him and he said, God, why aren't you doing something about it? You see, for Habakkuk, the problem wasn't, let's not talk about God coming as the judge. For Habakkuk, the problem was, why aren't you judging yet, God? 
Aren't you the Holy One? Aren't you the Righteous One? Aren't you the Pure One? Aren't you the Wonderful God? Aren't you the, the God who, who, who is above us and who is so strong and perfect and mighty? Aren't you the God who has called us to live our lives in reflection of you? Aren't you that sort of God? Then what's wrong with you? It's kind of what it amounts to. What's wrong, God? Why aren't you doing something? A little bit about the context of Habakkuk in which he lived. He, he lived at a time, we can see it even from our passage, when, when violence was just shaking society. Habakkuk was a prophet in, in Jerusalem, in Judah, the, the southern kingdom, um, at a time when already the northern kingdom, the northern tribes of Israel, had been decimated and, and swept away by the Assyrians for rejecting God and for turning against God. If you read through the book of, of Kings, you'll see that this is a time of, of almost steady decline. And so, so you have um, king after king after king, and, and every now and again one of them follows after the way of, of David and, and, and serves God faithfully and and, and looks after, uh, looks towards the law, but, but for the most part, you just have a steady decline of, of the kings who turned against God, who introduced idol worship, who, who rebelled against the Lord, who, who just led the, the people of God away from Him. <coughs> Habakkuk probably, it's hard to say, but, but probably around about 609 B.C. is, is the dating him maybe a bit before that, 615, um, just before just before the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem in 589-ish by the Babylonians. This is the time of Habakkuk. Um, it's also the time of Jeremiah, uh, also the time of Nahum and a couple of, of the other uh, apostles that we have books from. Probably in the time of Jehoiachin, one of the kings, a bad king. Jehoiachin is the, the son of um, Jehoiakim. There's a Kim and there's a Chin, and they're brothers. I don't know. Why would you call your two? Yeah. Oh, I lie. The Egyptians called Jehoiachin Jehoiachin because they wanted him to have a nice name. They set him up as king over Jerusalem. Jehoiakim was not a nice, was not a nice king. He was the, the, the son of Josiah. Now you remember Josiah was the eight-year-old king. Um, he was a fantastic king. While he was alive, the nation flourished. And he did some renovations of the temple in Jerusalem. And while they were there, they found a copy of the law. And Josiah was just like, wow, look at how far we are from that. And he reformed everything. He got rid of all the idols. He led the people in the worship of God. He basically said, you know, all these, 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 um, these Assyrian uh, idols that have come into our, our temple and have come into our city, we're going to get rid of these. We're going to serve God faithfully. We're going we're to follow after God. And during his reign, just things went amazingly well. Uh, the, the, nation, the nation prospered, and, and, and the Assyrians, which had been in charge of them, they, well, they... Things happened in their countries and, and they lost control over Jerusalem. And, and, and basically God's people looked like, yeah, everything is going to come right. 
Finally, God is on our side. Finally, things are going well again. Finally, we are, we are regaining the glory days of David where, where God is our God and we are His people and, and He's blessing us so much. <clears throat> and then Josiah dies. Jeremiah said of, of Josiah, Jeremiah 22, verse 16, that he judged the cause of the poor and the needy and then it was well. He was a good king. He was a man who, who sought after God. And then his son came along. Jeremiah says, Jeremiah twenty-two seventeen, of Jehoiakim, you have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing oppression and violence. Jehoiakim is the only prophet, is the only king um, who is specifically named as killing one of the prophets. Did it himself, chopped off his head. This is a man so unlike his father who, who not Josiah, uh, Josiah wanted, wanted God. His son wanted just whatever he could get for himself. And when God's prophet stood in his way, he got rid of him, destroyed them. He's a man who, he was a despot. And society took its cue from him. And, 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 and so the result is that there was just this, this oppressiveness in, in Jerusalem and in Judah. And, and there was just violence everywhere. And it's in the context of this king, this, this prophet-killing king, that Habakkuk writes, that Jeremiah writes. This is the guy who threw Jeremiah in a pit. Who burnt up his prophecy. And here we have Habakkuk standing up and looking at the world around him and going, God, how can this be? I bet he remembered how it looked like under Josiah things were going to go right and the nation was finally going to serve God with all of its heart. And then he sees this and he's just like, how can it be, Father? Our society is a mess. It doesn't look anything like what it should Destruction and violence, says he in verse 3, are before me. And they're before him because the nation has fallen into godlessness, a life without God. If you remember the story of Noah, it begins by telling us that the the wickedness of man was great. And so the earth was filled with violence. They rejected God. And society went down the hill, down the drain. It's a society, verse 3, of strife and contention. The, the words in verse 3 are words for, for law courts society where everyone was taking everyone else to court to try and, you know, you had an accident at work? Have you slipped over a banana peel at the shops that you accidentally dropped there first? That's the kind of society they lived in. And there was no real justice. Verse 4, he says, the law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. 
The law there is God's law. So it's not just the legal system, it's the law of, of God, the, the Torah. And the people weren't looking to God for their guidance, for, for moral or, or spiritual guidance. And, and there was no more justice. Our God is ultimately the God who is just and true. That's who He is. And yet God's people were living in a place where there was no justice. And, and Habakkuk sums it up and says that the wicked surround the righteous. We're in a different context, I think, to, to Habakkuk a little bit because he, he was in the people who were supposed to be the people of God. And our society, we are the people of God in a pagan society. And, and yet... And yet have a look at our world. Don't you, don't you see the violence? Taryn and I were visiting some friends the other day and they said, oh yes, we were just over in, in Burma. <clears throat> we had a lovely holiday, but, but we couldn't go across to the other side of, of the island because there was a war on at the time. And the Philippines had invaded, or something like that. Didn't even make the news yet, did it? There's just so much violence. And, 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 and it's not just violence on an international scale. Isn't there so much violence in our society? We had a guy um, just a few months back, a month and a half back, killed on the Mandurah foreshore. So often we hear about violence in our homes. We hear about people who abuse each other with their mouths. We, we hear about psychological violence. We... We hear again about violence against children. We, 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 we hear against violence against unborn children. We live in a violent society. And I wonder why it is that we, we seem to have insulated ourselves against that to some degree. Maybe because there's, there's a semblance of order here and, and we can insulate ourselves. But, but Habakkuk, Habakkuk couldn't do that. Habakkuk wouldn't do that. Habakkuk wouldn't look for the good in society, although there was, there was good. I'm sure there was good. Habakkuk looked and said, God, this isn't right. This isn't what you meant for us. This isn't what you meant for humanity. This isn't, this isn't right. How can you let it carry on, Father? There are, people, there are people who are murdering other people. Father, we live in a society where, where there are people who are abusing others. Father, we live in a society where, where there are gangs. Father, we live in a society where there are drugs in our suburbs. We were asked to warn the super club kids that there are gangs of, of youth selling drugs to kids in Singleton. Father, this isn't right. How can we allow this? Lord, why do you let it happen? That's what Habakkuk would say if he was standing here today. He'd say, God, why is it so? And he'd say so because he knows something of what God wants for us. 
Because God's plan for us is that we should be like He is. We should be holy people. People who, who, who live a good life. And, and, and not just, uh, ooh, I live a good life. But, but people who live life to its fullest and, and maximum amount. People whose lives are full of joy and, and people who, who just encourage one another and build one another, another up and, and where community is strong and where, and where we worship God together. And, 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 and this isn't that. Habakkuk looked and said, I want heaven on earth now. Why don't you do something about it, God? Why don't you do something about it? You'd almost say Habakkuk is saying, what's the point of having faith in you, God, if this world is such a mess? What kind of a God are you? How long? You don't say, how long must I cry out unless you've been crying out for a long time? How long? God, I've got says Habakkuk. I've got my limits, God. What are your limits? Why, God? I've got to have some reasons. Why, why are you letting this happen? You know, Habakkuk's situation was violence, but, but aren't these just timeless questions that come up time and time again for us? How long must, must I endure this, Lord? Why are you letting me go through this? One of the guys I read said that Habakkuk raises openly the kind of questions that any thinking and believing person ought to ask. And he raises them because he knows God and he doesn't understand what's happening. In society, and I think it applies to all areas of our lives. But have a look what God says, verse 5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if somebody told you about it. <laughs> That's quite good. I'm telling you about it, but you're not going to believe what I'm going to do. And we'll see next week, he goes, what? I can't believe it, God, you're going to do that? God says to him, Habakkuk, I sense your angst at society, but, but you know what? I'm going to answer you. You say how long? You say why? Well, let me just tell you, Habakkuk, open your eyes and have a look and, and, and stop navel-gazing. It's not that interesting. Look broader. Look broader, Habakkuk. Look beyond your own nation. Look beyond your own circumstances. You say that you're hemmed in, that the wicked outnumber and surround the righteous. Look beyond that. Look to the nations. And just by the way, God wouldn't say look to the nations if it wasn't already clear for someone to look. 
and see what God was already doing. The evidence of what God was doing was there. Habakkuk just wasn't looking. And he didn't understand. See, Habakkuk was so obsessed with his own situation, with the own, his own context of violence and oppression, and, and our society is terrible, and why are you putting me through this garden? When are you going to act? That, that, that he, he lost perspective. It, it seemed that God wasn't there. And God turns to him and says, okay, look up, I'm actually just next to you. I'm, I'm working, Habakkuk. I'm doing something about it. And in fact, what, what God says in verse 5, He says, look, be amazed. He's, he actually says it um, in, in the second person plural. So He says, all of you guys, look, all of you guys, be amazed. Habakkuk, you're complaining. Well, everyone have a look what I'm going to do. Everyone have a look how I'm going to respond because I am responding. Because you're right, Habakkuk, this isn't how life is supposed to be. You're right, I want so much more. And so I will not put up with you guys living a life that isn't the right life. I'm not going to put up with you living what I don't intend you to live. I want better for you, and so I will not allow you to live like this. Doesn't the Hebrews, right to the Hebrews, say that God disciplines those He loves? This is what God's saying. I I want better for you, so I'm not going to let you get away with it. I'm going to do something. I'm going to intervene in a a shocking way. And I'm already doing it. I'm doing it now. And I think there can be times when we, like Habakkuk, can be so inwardly focused that we, we keep asking God why, God where, God how. I think Habakkuk reminds us that that our perspective is not God's perspective. That just because it seems to us that God is not acting, that God is not doing, that God is not bringing His purposes to fulfillment, that God is not there, that God is not answering our prayer, just because we feel like that doesn't mean that it's true. Sometimes we just can't see it. Sometimes... God needs to come to us and tap us on the shoulder and say, Oi, lift your chin a bit. Have a look. Our vision is so limited. We we see the past and we see the now. And we sometimes pretend that we can see the future, but we can't really. God sees everything that was and is and will be. Our world, like, like Habakkuk's world, is a world of violence. And, and I reckon if Habakkuk stood here and, and God was saying to him, and, and he was saying to God, God, why, why are you letting this world go this way? Why are there so many wars? Why are there so many famines? Why, this, why is society so pathetically? Lord, why do we not live according to your design? God would turn to him and say, Habakkuk, lift your head and look. Do you see the church there? Do you see the church there? Do you see that, that the word of what I'm doing is already going? Did you see the cross? 
Habakkuk, did you see that I've actually started something a long time ago? Hey, Habakkuk, can, can you see perhaps just a, a glimmer of the fact that I'm coming back? Yeah, Habakkuk, it looks, it looks pretty pathetic right now. I'll give you that. And, and yes, people are not living the way I want them to live. And, and yes, society is down the drain, but, but I'm still in charge, Habakkuk. I'm, I'm still working. I'm still doing something. You ask me how long, and I'm already working. You ask me why, and why am I not doing anything, but I'm doing something. But God's answer to Habakkuk is an interesting one. Because God says to, his, says to him, Habakkuk, lift up your eyes. I'm, I'm working. But what God does is absolutely astounding. It's, God works in such surprising ways. He, he, he says to, to Habakkuk there, he's going to work through the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Um, a virtually unknown group of people. They lived in boggy land, basically village culture for most of their existence. And then out of nowhere, in, in about 20 or 30 years, they just became the superpower. Um, they go from rural nothings to world rulers. Together with the Medes, they attack the Assyrians and they divide their empire. A horrible people. The Chaldeans have a, have a scorched earth policy. They, they just go and they destroy. Part of what, what their horror is is just the speed at which they come. Um, and look at the words that he uses, leopards and wolves and, and eagles, animals that are just fast and aggressive and, and angry. Animals that chase prey and they're, they're a fearsome war machine. Terror goes before them says the Lord in verse 9. People who are just so utterly self-confident, they, they don't fear anyone. Someone uh, read something that said, everyone fears the man who fears no man. Totally fearless people, just almost berserkers, they just go. Isn't it surprising? Habakkuk says, how long, O oh Lord, will you put up with this violence? And God says, it's okay, I'm sending an even more violent people. And even more terrifying people. They're a law unto themselves. How long, O oh Lord? Don't worry, not long. Going to get worse. What a way to encourage his prophet. Actually, what a way to encourage his prophet. Because you see, even though Habakkuk doesn't get it, we'll see that next week. God is encouraging him. God is saying, you know what, Habakkuk, you're right. I want people to live fully. I, I want them to live according to the, 
the way I made them to live. I want them to have life in its fullness, and this isn't it, and so I'm going to respond, and, and I'm not going to put up with this violence. I'm not going to put up with, with my people rejecting me. I'm, I'm going to do something about it. Take heart. How long? That's already in action. Be encouraged. But also be encouraged because, because I can use whatever means I want to to bring about my judgment. The wicked are led here and there by the power of God. God's ultimately in charge. And God's saying, I will not let the wicked go unpunished. But you should know that even the wicked can be an instrument in my hand. And even in the passage that we've looked at, Habakkuk finishes, and he's very patriotic almost, he says, we're so much better than them, God, how can you let them wipe us out? But God already is answering him here. He says, you know what, Habakkuk? These Babylonians, the seed of their destruction is within them already. Yes, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use their violence to to show my, my people that this isn't right. I'm going to use them to chastise my children. But, but evil has within it the seeds of its own destruction. Babylon is not going to have its last word. We'll see this in detail next week. Babylon will not have the last word. Ooh. Sneak of next week. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. And we can already see that Babylon is going to fall because just look at its traits. It's a place that is greedy. It's, it's a place of cruelty and arrogance and self-sufficiency, verse 7. It's, it's a place of, of blasphemy. And I, lo- I love the way God, God, God's just increased. He's got a great sense of humor. He says in verse 10, 11, that the Babylonians are people who, who think of their own might as their own God. He says, I, the one true God, will use as my instruments those who think that they are gods. I will use them, because I'm God. I'll do what I want to. God's saying to Habakkuk, he's saying to us, you know what, when you cry out to me because circumstances are not right, and that can be in society and that can be in any situation, You cry out to me, how long, why, what are you doing? You should know that I have got it in control. I am doing something. And and what I do might surprise you. God's good at surprising Take Habakkuk's problem of violence. Violence still exists today in all of its various forms. What was God's ultimate answer? He says, I will use a violent people. And they will violently mock, and they will violently scourge, and they will violently hang up on a cross. My son. 
Isaiah 53, they will do this although he had done no violence. And then violence shall no more be heard in your land. What is God's answer? God's answer is always, I am working. If you would just see. And from our perspective, looking back, and from Isaiah's perspective there, looking forward, that's God's answer always. How long, O Lord? Why, O Lord? You're right. It's not right. But I've already started putting it right. Look around. Look and be amazed. For he has done something something we wouldn't believe even if somebody told us about.